So we are recording this on Monday, November 6th, which also happens to be opening day for college basketball around the country, which is pretty fantastic. We're also big college basketball fans. But I say that to ask, is March Madness, in your opinion, the greatest postseason in professional or collegiate sports? I feel like for a lot of people, it's it's got to be up there. Like it's a 64-68 team, single elimination, massive tournament where anything can happen. It takes up people's days. Like they take vacation off of work for it. So do, is it the best postseason ever? It is. It's close for me because I... I truly am a sucker for the NFL playoffs and the NHL playoffs. Me and Corey just recently had this conversation, which, which of the four major sports has um, the best postseason. And I am a sucker for those two, but yeah, over the last, over the last five to 10 years, especially I, I can't get in. March Madness is so fun. It's so fun. The game lineups are just awesome. You put up a bunch of different screens. You watch, like, just, you just have it on. It, yeah. The answer is yes. Because then it all culminates in, now, does it give you the best, most consistent way of finding the best team? No. It does not. <laughs> But that's also kind of the allure of it is the fact that you have to get hot to win a championship. Um, so I would say, yeah, I, I honestly, I think it's the best postseason there is because of how much entertainment it gives you. I think the level of entertainment doesn't quite reach that of like a really close Super Bowl game, right? Something like that. But the amount of entertainment and high quality entertainment it gives you, I'll say yes. Great question. I also will say yes. March Madness is my favorite sporting event there is. College basketball is not my favorite sport, but March Madness is my favorite sporting event for all of the reasons that you said. Like, I can think. And you mentioned NFL and NHL postseasons, which are both fantastic, both amazing. But I have more like ingrained in my head, like buzzer beater memories of March Madness than I do the totality of the NFL playoffs and NHL playoffs that I've seen before. Like March Madness gives you very special moments. And it's just, it is a beauty to behold. And you've got, the tournament pools that you're in and you know, you so make that's like, was, that's what I was about to say right there. Me, my cousin and our like best buddy, we are all in a tournament pool together. And it's a, it's a, it's a survival league. So you have to pick, you have to pick a winner every day. There are tournament games. Not every round, every day, there are tournament games. And once you pick that team, you cannot pick them again. 
So they're gone from your list. So what you want to do every single time is pick a team that you think is going to win and then lose the next round. And then pick a team that's going to win and then lose it. Every year, we have had a close call with winning it all. And the prize pool is huge, huge, like thousands of dollars. So it's awesome. It just adds to the lore. Just adds to the lore of the of the whole thing. All right, but we're not a college basketball podcast. We're a Big Ten college football podcast. And if you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter, everybody. If you're new here, make sure you like or follow wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Then follow us on the socials, Instagram and threads at B1G Banter and on Twitter at B1G Banter Pod. Ethan, say something kind to people who are listening. People, I love you. I appreciate you. And as always, leave us a five-star review. I'm still waiting for somebody to leave us a five-star review and absolutely roast us in the five-star review. Leave us a five-star review and roast us in that five-star review, and we will read it on the podcast. If if it has profanities, we might just have to suck it up and do it. Watch your profanity. Watch your profanities. All right, listen. Alex, we're diving right into this, and I'm, I'm going to start off with where I was absolutely most impressed this weekend um, in, in, the, in the Big Ten realm of college football, and it certainly doesn't stem from anything that smells like a Big Ten West team. Oh, we'll get into that later. Um, Penn State, I, I mean, played their best game of the season, absolutely dominated Maryland front to back in that game. Offense was clicking. They ran the ball at will. They had multiple guys who just gashed in the run game. Drew Allard, he had a, I would say that Drew Allard had a very good game. He, he, he didn't look like a world beater, but he had a very good game. And I think that I think that it was the game that I have watched Penn State play so far this year, and I walked away being the most impressed about. Um, Drew Aller, like I said, he went 25 of 34 for 240 yards, but he had four touchdowns and zero picks. So he threw the ball well when it mattered. He made some really tight window throws that against Ohio State, he just wasn't able to throw. It's, it felt like something was just in his head in that game. That really seemed to clear itself up because this game was over early and Penn State put a hurting on Maryland. So I just wanted to start off with where I was most impressed and get your thoughts on kind of where you are with Penn State. Uh, I'm actually not that impressed with the way they be down on Maryland because I kind of – I got my dose of reality with Maryland after the way they played against Ohio state. And so I expected, I believe I was the only one of the three of us that picked Penn state to cover. I was expecting a game like this, maybe not 51 to 15, but I was expecting them to handle them because Talia doesn't play well under the lights. Maryland is not the, the tough team that we were promised in the off season by Mike Loxley. But nonetheless, even though I wasn't, let's say overly impressed by Penn state for Penn state mentally, the guys in that locker room coming off of 
the Ohio State loss, the rough Indiana game, you needed a mental get right game before you play Michigan this weekend. And they did that. They probably were injected with some confidence after this one. And so now they get to go into the Michigan game, going back home, feeling good about themselves. And you mentioned Aller. Honestly, I thought the biggest thing for Penn State was Katron Allen. Ran for 91 yards and an average six and a half a carry. If you could give Aller that kind of production on the ground, he he's going to be a lot better off. 15 touches, I'm pretty sure. He didn't even get 15 rushes, I don't think. No, he only rushed it 14 times, which... Yeah, but you give Drew Aller that kind of production on the ground, and he's going to look a heck of a lot better than he did against Ohio State and Indiana. No doubt about it, and it, it it's kind of crazy because I, I mean, <laughs> most people going into the into the season thought Nick Singleton was going to be that guy for them, and that has just not come to fruition. I mean, no, it was he's like, been he's been disappointing this year. Well, it you know what? It, it's a lot like what has happened with Donovan Edwards in the Michigan run game, where a guy who really came on the scene last year, played super well, just has not found it, has not found the same level of success this year. And a guy who a lot of what was exciting about him was explosive plays. Like, and when I say explosive, like 30, 40 plus yard runs, which was what Donovan Edwards was doing at the end of the season. That's a great comp. That's a great comp. Yeah. And and honestly, it just feels like (laughs) they they found a diamond in the rough in Katron Allen. And it's like, you know, if if you have a guy who's performing at that level, obviously Michigan still has Blake Corum. He came back one of the best running backs in the country. But Katron Allen has really been a renaissance for them. And, I mean, he's a guy who Michigan's going to have to game plan for in this game coming up, you know, this weekend. And, I mean, I know <laughs> I know we have other games to get to, but I kind of want to just tail right into the biggest game of this, of this upcoming week um, and, and kind of just curtail this right into it. Well, let's, let's go over the Michigan-Purdue game first. I suppose we should do that at least. Uh, I also want to mention because this I, this has been flying under the radar. I feel like so Maryland now has lost four games in a row. Whoa! I didn't I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah, I looked at their record and I was like five and four. They got off to a really hot start. They've lost four games in a row. To, yeah, they were five and zero. Oh. They were five and zero. Oh. They've lost to Ohio State, Illinois, Northwestern, and now Penn State. And now they have to play. This is the back half of their schedule, too. Nebraska, who has a winning record. Michigan, who is Michigan. And Rutgers, who has a winning record. Could Maryland miss a bowl game? Could they lose seven straight seven games? Straight. They start 5-0, and oh, one game away from a bowl game, and lose all seven of their last seven games. That's a real possibility. They played Nebraska and <laughs> Rutgers on the road. I mean... I'm so sorry. I'm blanking on the name of their head coach right now. Loxley, Mike Loxley. Loxley. He gets fired if that happens, no? I would think, but I guess it just depends on Maryland fan expectations and such, but with a with a veteran quarterback like Talia? But but see, this is this is where I, and I I just want to I just want to say this really quick. This is where I feel like it is completely acceptable 
to alter your expectations for a team when they start 5-0. and I'm allowed to alter my expectation for you at that point. Agree. And if you then go out and lose every single one of your remaining games, that, that Alex, that has to be fireable. They would only have one Big Ten conference win, and it would be against Michigan State. That's like, wow. this is potentially a meteoric just crash and burn. I mean, it already is with losing four straight and you still have, you still have to, they still have to play Ohio State and Michigan. No, just Michigan. These are their last three at Nebraska, Michigan at home and at Rutgers. Nebraska will be favored at home. Obviously, Michigan will be favored. Nebraska then, is not favored at home. Right now, it's showing Maryland minus two and a half. I was thinking the same thing. Whoa. In Nebraska? That doesn't wow. make any sense to me either. Well, But that's for the next episode. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Nebraska also decided to lose to Michigan State. So so there is a situation to, to keep an eye on in Maryland because they're on hospice right now, and we could be... Someone might be pulling the plug over there. All right, let's get into another one. Uh, you want to go to Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to. I just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of different things. Obviously, with you know the controversy and everything that's going on and all that, it really felt like one of those games where, um, just from more of a football sense, that Purdue's what their new identity is going to be is a defensive football team. And Michigan started off really hot. They scored touchdowns on their first two possessions, but then Purdue locked it down. I mean, I know the final score was 41-13. I get that. But Purdue, in the middle chunk of that football game, their offense wasn't doing anything of any substance, and their defense was constantly rotating back onto the field. And, I mean, they they were really... Getting after J.J. McCarthy, they were really stout against the run. Um, They did play a lot of five-man fronts with linebackers closer to the line of scrimmage, for sure, trying to sell out, kind of make J.J. beat them, which, look, you got to pick your poison with Michigan at this point. Are you going to try and stop Blake Corum, or are you going to try and stop J.J.? And they could not do both. No team has been able to do both all season. Um, JJ ends up with going 24 of 37 for 335, uh, but did not throw a touchdown. And Blake Corum only had 44 yards on 15 rushes. So, I mean, kudos to Purdue for their, for their ability to stop the run in this game. I thought that was, I thought it was a sign of what's to come for Purdue and what their identity is going to be as a football team moving forward. And you really got to see that for a good chunk of this football game. Having said all of that, I think it was one of those games where Michigan just decided, like Michigan decided very early on that they were going to let JJ throw it because of the fact that Purdue was selling out to stop the run. And he looked unpolished for, for four, at least four drives in this game. He looked very rusty. He looked very unpolished. 
say whatever you want about them coming off the bye week. It's just not acceptable. You know, when you're, when you're claiming to be one of the top, you know, two, three programs in the country, you've really got to be able to perform at a high level. And I thought, you know, JJ McCarthy, you can't play like that against Penn state coming up this weekend, the way that he did. I, he had a lot of throws that were in, in again, give kudos to Purdue. They did a really good job of mixing up their man and zone coverage. They're known for their man coverage, but they dropped into some zones and JJ looked confused on a lot of those plays. So I really think it was a good learning experience for Michigan and for J.J. McCarthy, and he's got to be able to recognize what his faults were in that game, address it, and fix it going forward. Obviously, the stats still looked good for J.J. It's more about what the eyes told me, and my eyes told me that there was a lot of stuff to work on and a lot of points left on the field. Yeah, there was a lot left on the field. J.J., JJ missed and I guess I guess what his floor is in college football he kind of he got really close to it on Saturday because when he misses on throws he throws it behind or low and short and there were a lot of those where he short-armed balls or put them on the back shoulder and made receivers try to adjust to it it, it a lot of times to speak to what you just said, his feet just weren't set. And they talked about it on the broadcast as well. You know, shout out to the NBC guys because they, they recognized it too. His feet were not set for a lot of those throws and he's got to get his feet underneath it. Which again, like you said, is a credit to Purdue because they had three sacks in this game, which I don't know that Michigan's allowed three sacks in any other game this year, to be honest. Like I didn't actually go look it up, but I know it hasn't happened very often. So Purdue got after him and that's got to be the formula, right? Get after JJ and then Purdue in this game, they ran for more yards than Michigan did. And they averaged more a carry than Michigan did. But also the scary part, they sacked JJ three times. They ran for more yards. They averaged more yards a carry and they got beat 41 to 13. Like Michigan is that good. Michigan is that good people. Don't yeah. don't talk about signs. Don't talk about none of this. All that stuff is over now. From here on out, signs signs don't matter. That has no effect on these games. They're that freaking good. Yeah, it, it's it's a level of expectation, right? Like we just had a conversation about it with Maryland. There's a level of expectation of play with Michigan, um, especially from you know me as a fan. I expect them to perform like the best team in the country because I personally believe that they are the best team in the country. So I don't think that there is an excuse. You can't excuse, you know, the way that they played on some of those drives, but the talent overtook in this game. Um, I, that, that was really, I think, what the big separator was for these two teams. 100%. And okay, let's... Let's not beat the game to death. We can kind of bypass this, and we got to spend a, a minute or two on these allegations because I've kind of hesitated to say anything on the podcast about it because new stuff keeps coming out every single day, and, and we really don't know a whole lot about what the NCAA is doing and is not doing and whatever. We pretty much know they're not going to suspend Harbaugh within the next 48 hours. I guess there's a window here that they're not going to bring down any punishment, but things that have happened since we last talked about this, 
Big Ten coaches are asking the commissioner to potentially punish Michigan this season before an NCAA investigation is done. Michigan president said to Ono wrote an email to him and also got on a meeting with him and is like, you know, no, we're asking that you let the investigation proceed because there was rumors of an indefinite suspension for Jim Harbaugh regarding the sign ceiling stuff. And the biggest news, in my opinion, recently, now I say news, this is all rumor mill material for the most part. The latest rumor mill is saying that if allegations, if stiff allegations come down and a hard punishment comes down on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, that Michigan is going to drop a bomb on everyone and and basically air all the dirty laundry on every other team that they possibly can. Now, these are rumors. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. These are rumors. There are rumors going around that Michigan has proof that Ohio State has stolen practice film. There are there was just a couple hours before we recorded this. There was an article in the AP where an anonymous coach from another team came forward and said there was a network of coaches helping him steal Michigan signs. That that's the biggest piece that's come out so far. That isn't rumor mill. That's that's a confirmed source in the AP actually posted that so that I, I, I I'm not meaning to cut you off because you're on a roll right now but that's where I really want to dwell is right there because that's the biggest piece of news that's that, hey I mean you have you have a guy coming out and saying oh hey I was hired to do exactly what stallions is being accused of doing except against Michigan and it's like Oh wait, other people were doing this too. What? And now we have uh, there. There's stuff coming out about uh, signs being given to Illinois for their game against Michigan last year. Um, and I have it on relatively good authority that that information is also going to be made public. Uh, at some point here in the not too distant future, uh, Michigan played a very, very close, nerve wracking game where they needed Illinois to miss a field. Did they think Illinois to miss a field goal in that game? They they needed to make a field goal. Michigan yeah. made like Michigan four field goals made, that game. Yes. They don't think they scored a touchdown. Yeah. And um, so that was a really close game before the blowout of Ohio State in the game after. Um, there's a lot of stuff going around that Illinois was given Michigan signs for that game. And it, it's just, it's crazy because I, I have said from the very beginning that I, I wasn't worried that I, I, I didn't really care. And now I just think it's kind of funny that everything seems to be coming kind of full circle and more things are coming out. And it's like, okay, how big of a deal do you really want to make out of this? Because we can do the same thing. Yes, 100%. And I'm going to slightly amend my previous position on this issue. Basically, for me personally, if Michigan cheated and broke an NCAA rule, if Connor Stallions broke an NCAA rule, punish Michigan. 
whatever the punishment is, punish them because they broke a rule. And if you break a rule, you get punished. That's just the end all be all, which they may be firmly in the gray here. Like Michigan has good lawyers and the wording in the NCAA bylaws is weird. So we don't even know if they've technically broke a rule because this person videoing games wasn't a staffer, whatever. If they broke a rule, punish them. But if they are firmly in the gray area here and a stiff punishment comes down from either the Big Ten or the NCAA, and then all this stuff comes out about there's this secret network of coaches in the Big Ten conference that are all sharing signs from other teams so that you can get advanced scouting advantages, which is what this comes down to, then boy, these other Big Ten teams better be ready because Michigan – the, the word coming out of Michigan from anyone who's a reliable source is that if you want to come after us, that's fine, but you best not miss and you better make sure there's no skeletons in your closet either. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I saw, <clears throat> um, I saw something today about <clears throat> whether, because they're a separate entity from the NCAA, the college football playoff committee, they do not operate under NCAA. They can do their own thing. They can include and exclude whoever they feel like from the college football playoff. Now, there's a committee that decides, so that's how you keep it fair, quote unquote. Um, but somebody asked, um, and again, it, it's it's so funny because literally no one has put their name behind a single thing with this entire, the entire thing. Not a single human has put their name behind something other than pundits like Paul Feinbaum being like, I can't believe I stood up for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Now I'm going to off myself. Like, give me a break. But I I just, I'm, it's really funny because somebody asked, and of course the person stayed anonymous, somebody who is one of the people who gets uh, who is a part of the college football playoff committee and asked, you know, was there any thought to keeping Michigan out or not including them in the rankings or, you know, not allowing them into the college football playoff if they were to, you know, remain undefeated or whatever. And he said straight up, they wouldn't have been there if we were considering that. Oh, like they already would have kept them out of the rankings yeah. if they were considering yep. that. Yeah. Yeah, like they they wouldn't have been there if we were considering that. Straight from so, the horse's mouth, and that's what matters. So they're te- the college football playoff is telling you Michigan will make us lots of money. The last two years, they've made us lots of money. So <laughs> they ain't going to not have Michigan in there. They don't care. Like, let's get that straight real quick. About a sign-stealing scandal, they don't care. No, they do not, and... We can put a nail in that and let's transition to the current number one ranked team in the college football playoff rankings, Ohio state. They played Rutgers this weekend. They beat Rutgers 35 to 16. Again, just real late in the game, making this one look like a blowout and and covering like, uh, like we predicted. Um, Do you believe you predicted? Was I the only one that picked them? Yeah, I think. Oh, Oh, no, me and Corey picked them. Ethan, what are you doing? Come on. I, I said it. I sent it to you guys at halftime. You they, did. Rutgers was up. 
Rutgers was winning that game at halftime. I messaged Corey and Alex and I said, they will find a way to cover this game. It'll be ugly, but they will cover. Well, <laughs> case in point. And they did. And they did. Now you mentioned it being ugly. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's ugly, right? It's a win. And they keep winning, which is why they're the number one ranked team in the college football playoff, because they keep beating highly ranked teams like Penn State and Notre Dame. Do you think that Ohio State is actually the best team in college football? No. No. No, I do not. Why? I think Georgia is better than they are. I think Michigan is better than they are. I think Florida State would be favored on a neutral site against Ohio State. I think Florida State would be favored in that game. I I put a lot more credence into what Vegas has to say about stuff than you or uh, Corey does. Um, but I don't think. Thanks. I don't think... <laughs> what? I mean, you're right, but that was just it's just me and Corey catching strays over here. Oh, I saw, I I didn't even mean it in like a in a bad way. You guys might be better for doing it the way you do. I. I it's just my personal opinion. That's all I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> but I, yeah, I, no, I think. Oh, you meant you care more about Vegas than me or Corey care about Vegas. Yeah, yeah, correct. Oh, I thought you meant you care about Vegas more than me or Corey. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, definitely not what I meant. Whoa. <laughs> I care more about Vegas than I do our friendship, loser. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, I just – I really look at Ohio State and the play that they've gotten from their quarterback has been very hit or miss. Uh, McCord has looked very iffy. Their run their, – their run defense, Rutgers – this was the first time after a game I went onto social media and I actually saw some legitimate – not panic, but worry from Ohio State fans. Because they all know Rutgers cannot throw the football. And they still ran it down Ohio State's throat for almost the entirety of that football game. They ran for for 232 and over five a carry. uh, There you go. And again, I say they don't throw the ball. And they dominated the time of possession. Like if you want to see a very, very light version because Michigan smoked Rutgers, right? They already played them. If you want to see a very, very light version of what Michigan is going to do to you, that is, you just saw it. And did you do a good job of stopping it? No, you did not. You were good in the red zone. They held in the first half of that game. Rutgers had the opportunity to be up 17 to 7. You know, but they uh, two wide receivers decided not to block a defensive back on a run that should have scored a touchdown. And then you had a crazy pick six that took place off a tip. So it was just it was very fortunate things happened for Ohio State and they were the better team. I'm not going to discredit that Ohio State was the more talented, better team. But when you know that all a team can do is run the football and wants to grind out clock against you, and they do that at will, that has to be that has to cause some level of concern. And to answer your question, no, I don't think they're the number one team in the country. Top four, 
probably I think they would I think I think they would be underdogs against Michigan but they are underdogs against Michigan let's get that straight right now they're a six and a half point underdog to Michigan in the futures bets um Georgia they'd be an underdog to Georgia for sure Michigan would probably be an underdog to Georgia right now and I really think they, on a neutral field, I think they'd be an underdog to FSU. What about? So I think they're the fourth best team in the country. What about Washington Alabama. and Oregon? No, I, I Washington has shown you that their defense, it's it just it isn't good enough. Now, offensively, they have some really good firepower, but they have not played a defense as good as OSU's. And OSU would slow that football game down. I know Michael Penix Jr. is really, really good. I just don't think they're quite there. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you. I do believe Ohio State is a top four team in the country. I do. And it's on the back of their defense for sure. But I think where what's keeping me from saying that they – now, don't get me wrong. They deserve to be the number one ranked CFP team right now based on their resume. But why I don't think they're going to end up. Although that Notre Dame game is looking worse and worse. It is looking worse and worse. And Penn State, depending on what happens this weekend, could suffer the same fate. But why I don't think they're going to stay there is, you know, I I was actually thinking to myself, what's different about this Ohio State team? than the Cade McNamara-led Michigan team. Because two very similar teams, stout defenses and offenses that are not flashy, but they're getting the job done. And so I said to myself, why do I feel differently about Ohio State than Michigan other than I'm a Michigan fan? It's because situationally, in short yardage situations, Ohio State struggles a lot. And in the red zone, Ohio State struggles. Like the Ohio State has the flashy stuff down. Like Marvin Harrison can win them a game just on his own because he's so much better than every single corner in the country right now. And Trevion Henderson. I, I mean, honestly, right now you look at the totality of Ohio State's offense. It is Marvin Harrison Jr. when they actually decide to get him the ball. Um Rutgers also give Rutgers credit, did a really good job of bracket coveraging. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. for a large portion of that game. He's an elite NFL talent wide receiver. He's going to beat you. He he is. He's going to beat you. It's it's just going to happen on some plays. But they did a really good job uh, for the most part against him. Travion Henderson, he was the story of the game. Uh, I mean, 22 rushes, 128 yards, and a touchdown. He averaged 5.8 a carry. It, he was... He was incredible. <laughs> I mean, he he really was. He also led them in receiving yards. He had five receptions for eighty yards in the in the pass game. So, yeah, a healthy a healthy Travion Henderson is a game changer for Ohio State. But I just pulled it up. They are tied for the sixty ninth best red zone offense in the country. That's just not going to get it done consistently, no, it, especially not against. You talk about playing against the other let's call it the top five teams in the nation. That ain't going to do it. That, that You have to be able to put the ball in the end zone. I don't care how good your defense is. You're not Iowa. Like, 
you're not playing opponents like Iowa does. This is this is real big boy football, and it can't happen. And when you play a team that has similar talent to what Penn State has, but they get better quarterback play, you're not going to end up with the same result that you did against Penn State. You're just not. So do I think Ohio State is probably a top four team? Yeah. But do I think they're not going to win the Big Ten and probably not make the playoff unless they get a ton of help from outside the conference? Yeah, I think that's I think that's their fate right now. That's what I would put my money on. It's funny because it really does seem like either the SEC or the Big Ten is going to get two teams in now. And we can talk more about that on, on, on the picks episode. Yeah. But it, it's feeling more and more that way to me. All right. Let's try to make some sense of what's going on in the Big Ten West right now. So after this weekend, Iowa is sitting at 4-2. and two. Nebraska and Minnesota and Wisconsin are all tied for third at three and three. And then Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue are bringing up the caboose. But, I mean, you've got four teams right now vying for the Big Ten West title. And if we take a look at what happened this weekend, let's see. Nebraska blew it against Michigan State. Wisconsin blew it against Indiana. Um, Iowa held on against Northwestern 10 to 7. And uh, Minnesota finds a way to be. Uh, I, I've never been so hard back on a bandwagon ever in my life to fire PJ Fleck. Fire that man. Did you fire know, him? Did you know Brett Bielema in his career is undefeated against Minnesota? At Wisconsin and Illinois. In his entire career. I don't know if he ever played them when he was at Arkansas. He is undefeated against Minnesota. What what are we doing? Illinois is terrible. They're garbage. They're terrible. And Luke Altmaier looked like an all-star. I I, I hate the Big Ten West. I I hate it. And hey, Nebraska, Michigan State is garbage. You should have beaten uh, Michigan State. Nebraska's O-line was this. horrible. I, I was just about to say, Michigan State's D-line and Michigan State's defense as a whole played their best game of the season in that game. They played their best game, 100%. Their game plan was really good, and they executed that game plan very, very well against Nebraska. They did. They did, but like, you know, if you're Minnesota and Nebraska, you get to play two of the bottom dwellers in the conference with a shot at the Big Ten championship game on the line. Who would have said that for Minnesota or Nebraska before the season started? And you blew it with two close losses. So now Iowa, like, I mean, it's just Iowa. They almost are like a shoo-in for it now. Well, let's let's pull up their their schedule. They, they play they play at home against Rutgers this weekend. Then they play at home against Illinois the week after that. And then they play at Nebraska to end the season. Now, what if Nebraska's I feel 
Do you think Illinois could lose to Rutgers? Or not Illinois. Do you think Iowa could lose to Rutgers? I think they could. Not giving me a number on the game. Honestly, I, I would not. I, I honestly would not be surprised if Iowa was like a one-point favorite. So, okay, so Iowa's four and two right now, and Nebraska's three and three. So okay, all... I'm going I'm to look it up real quick. I'm, I'm on the app. I'm pulling it up right now. What the spread is? Yeah. Okay. So Nebraska's last couple games are so they play against home against Maryland this weekend. Then they play at Wisconsin, which Wisconsin two weeks from now, they could potentially still be without Tanner Mordecai and Braylon Allen. And then they get Iowa to end the season. So if you're if you're Nebraska, there is not a 0% chance that you could go into Iowa playing for the Big Ten West title. I've never seen something this disgusting in my life. In my life. I said they could be a one-point favorite. Iowa is minus two currently in this game. I'm about to tell you the most putrid thing ever, and I promise before my savior, I have never seen a spread for a football game that looks the way this over-under does in this game. You have to guess the over-under for this game. For Rutgers-Iowa. For Rutgers-Iowa? Oh, God. Is it... Is it... Is it 31? 30, 30 and a half. 28 and a half. Did they break their own record for the lowest? Yep. 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 It's under 30 points. By the way, by the way, last week, I told the people on the podcast, you weren't on the episode. I told the people in the picks episode, you have to bet the under. In that in the Iowa Northwestern game, it was zero zero at halftime. <laughs> they yeah. scored seventeen points. It's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. It's absolutely unwatchable. It's absolutely their unwatchable. Defense, their defense is so so good. Their defense is on the same level of Ohio State and Michigan. It's that good. And. Honestly, it might even be a little bit better because they're on the field a lot more because their offense does not move the football. Their punter is their best player. I'm looking at these schedules. It's kind of crazy how many different, like, even though Minnesota and Nebraska and, like, now Wisconsin all look like really bad teams, they all have a shot to win this. Like I just pulled up Minnesota's remaining schedule. They are at Purdue. They're at Ohio State, so that'll be an L. And then they play Wisconsin at home, which again, if Wisconsin's still injured, that's a very different game. And get this, Minnesota already holds the tiebreaker over Iowa because they beat them. Yeah, but they hold the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. Iowa does. But what if Wisconsin loses to Minnesota and Nebraska because they're hurt? What if Braylon Allen and Tanner Mordecai doesn't come back? 
true. I, I just what what does it matter? This is disgusting. We're, this we're is talking gross. about we're talking about something that is literally it is a fatted calf waiting for slaughter in the Big Ten championship game, waiting to be absolutely eviscerated in the Big Ten championship game. It doesn't matter. It's not fun anymore. I think this Big Ten championship will be worse than the last two. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Purdue was really bad last year. Yeah, but Purdue the last the last two were actually close at halftime, and it took the second uh, half to make it a blowout. The game against Iowa was not close at halftime. I'm almost positive it was. You better look up that box score, my guy. We, we've got we've got different definitions of close because it never felt like that game was close. It never felt like we were going to lose, but I'm just saying it was. It was not. It was not mathematically out of reach. It was literally out of reach, but it wasn't mathematically out of reach. <laughs> it was realistically out of reach, but. Um, okay, while you're looking up that box score to see who's right here, I'm just going to quickly go through what these other scores were. So I think I mentioned Iowa Northwestern. Uh, Iowa wins 10-7. to Minnesota lost 26-27 to Illinois. Bielema stays undefeated against Minnesota. Michigan State pulls out their first win under interim head coach. What's his name? I forget. Uh, they beat Nebraska 20-17. to And Indiana – breaks a six-game conference losing streak and beats with a, a hobbled Badger team 20-14. to 14. Yay. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I hate the Big Ten West. I hate it. Me too. I hate it so much. Because it's not even, it's not even like the Pac-12 where the teams are all pretty evenly talented and they just all beat up on each other. It's a bunch of really – not talented teams beating up on each other. So it's not even good football. Yeah. Michigan was Michigan was up 14 to 3 at halftime. And there See? was never there was never a situation where Iowa was scoring 14 points in that game. <laughs> so see, it was literally for, out of reach, but it wasn't for, mathematically out of reach. For reference, they finished the game with 3 points. Did they really? Yeah, we won that game 42 to 3. Good God. Why do you think Iowa fans hate us? Yeah, there were Iowa fans that night who were not happy with me. Yeah. And I wasn't even being unruly. You know me. I don't even I don't even swear. I say freaking dang it. Yeah, here listen. This this whole thing about the Big Ten West, I am so excited for next year. You know why? Because next year there's gonna be too many teams in the Big Ten. And we're just not going to be able to talk about the people who suck. Nope. We've we will already, only. We already have been trimming a lot of the fat for these episodes. We're talking about these bad teams. Like we just went through how many games right there and just were like, yeah, these teams won. There you go. Congrats. And that's all you get. I would rather talk about the sign stealing scandal than I would any team in the Big Ten West. Uh, and it's against our team. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right lord have mercy people well listen listen to me i i'm super super excited for this game coming up this weekend i, I i'm i'm just i want you to understand we are in the home stretch 
We've got good games on a weekly basis to talk about the rest of the way home. So stick with us. Tune in. We've got the picks episode coming up in a couple of days. So be ready for that. Um, obviously going to be di- dissecting that Michigan-Penn State game. Michigan traveling to Penn State. So we will get you all of that info. So stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you soon.